Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. So, today we're in John chapter 11, but before we go there, let's go to God in prayer. Holy Father, thank you for today. Thank you for for allowing us to start this new week. Thank you for your word. I'm grateful for the way that you speak to us. And you are the creator of all. And I'm so thankful that I get to hear from you and talk to you and come before you as one of your children and seek you out. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for my family. I thank you for my nation. And Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit who guides us. And Father, I, I pray for the Spirit to guide us today as we read. I pray that our hearts would be opened up, that our minds would be available, that any pre- preconceived notions would be set aside, and that we would truly be available for you to hear your voice, to know your voice, that there be nothing from me and everything from you. I pray for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So chapter 11, it's about 50-odd verses long, and it basically covers the, the final miracle that John is going to show Jesus or you know, talk about Jesus performing before he, uh, he passes, before he goes on to the cross. And so it's really the culmination of the miracles and the evidence that John has been putting forth about Jesus's deity and who he really is, that he is God. So let's go ahead and jump on into chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may, may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews there had tried to stone you, and you you were going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going to wake him up. His, His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. 
Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So they really thought by going back there, they were going to die, right? They figured that Jesus, the Jews were looking for him. They wanted to kill him. And so they just like, hey, we're going to die too. This isn't safe, but we follow Jesus. Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she had got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? So there's a couple things just to note here in a quick break. This is the first time that Jesus is shown as being emotional about any of the people that he's doing the uh, miracle for. The, The blind man, the cripples, all of them, he doesn't show necessarily that he wept. It's also the first time in John that we learned someone's name. We didn't know the people at the wedding or whose wedding it was where he turned the water into wine. Once again, we didn't know the blind man's name. We didn't know anything about, we didn't know the woman's name at the well. We didn't know about the person's name, the, the official in Samaria whose son he healed. We didn't know any any names. So this is the first time that John is sharing with us an actual name. Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. 
Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus came and called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let them go. Now you would think he just raised this people, someone from the dead. You would think after all of the miracles, all of the evidence that he is, this, the fulfillment of scriptures and prophecies, people would be amazed and fired up and excited and that they would be praising him and, and uh, worshiping him. But we then move on to verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priest and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you, for you, that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus, and as they stood in the temple courts, they asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. So, again, a number of things. This was the final part of Jesus' public works. It was the first time we found out a name of someone that he was healing and that he was doing a miracle for. It's also... um, pretty much the culmination of John's argument and evidence that Jesus is, is God and the fulfillment of, the, of all of the prophecies. It's also the only time, the only miracle that wasn't associated with a festival where Jesus performed miracles, but really it had to do with nothing with doing a, a festival. Passover wasn't happening yet, and it hadn't even gotten time to do their ceremonial washings and cleanings. So it was, it's really a, a unique miracle besides for the fact that it's bringing someone back from the dead. A.W. Tozer has a few thoughts on this. 
he focused on the dead man. Well, he, he focused on verse 44 where it says, The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the gra- grave clothes and let him go. He writes, The devil makes it his business to keep Christians in bondage, bound and gagged, actually imprisoned in their own grave clothes. Why doesn't the old devil, Satan, give up and bow out of the picture when a person becomes a believing Christian? Although he is a dark and sinister foe, dedicated to the damnation of humans, I think he knows that it is no use trying to damn a forgiven and justified child of God who is in the Lord's hands. So it becomes the devil's business to keep the Christian spirit imprisoned. He knows that believing and justified Christians has been raised up out of the grave of his sins and trespasses. From that point on, Satan works that much harder to keep us bound and gagged actually imprisoned in our own grave clothes. We know that if we continue in this kind of bondage, we will never be able to claim our rightful spiritual heritage. He knows also that while we continue bound in this kind of enslavement, we are not much better off than we had been when we were spiritually dead. This is one reason why the Christians in today's church are behaving like a flock of frightened sheep, so intimidated by the devil that we can't even say, Amen. And I feel like and that, that resonated with me because I feel like at times I've really allowed my grave clothes to be put back on or I've put them on myself. And this journey is all about freedom and redemption and leaving all of that past behind. Beating myself up. I, I was thinking about it the other day. Even when I play a, a silly game on my phone, and I make a bad bad decision or bad play, I beat myself up. Oh, you're so dumb. Those are th- thought processes in my head. It's no, no stretch to then think about, oh, you're so sinful. You're so this, you're so that. When in reality, I'm pure. I've been made pure by Jesus' blood. Yes, I sin, but his blood washes it away. Yes, I make mistakes, but his blood washes it over. And I think about that, and I think about when I'm condemning myself, when I'm living and accepting all the bad commentary in my head, I am a totally ineffective Christian. And that's what Satan wants. He wants us ineffective. The prodigal son's father said to the son who stayed, all that I had was, was and is available to you. Do we really have that mindset? That everything that God has, all the power, all of the majesty, the purity, do we really believe it? Or do we think that's going to happen to someone else? Or that it'll happen in the future? With that, let's go back to God in prayer. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I thank you for people like Tozer and Spurgeon, Kent Hughes, John MacArthur. All of these from the past and the present who help us understand more. But most of all, I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, for loving me, and your Holy Spirit who opens my heart and my mind. 
And Lord, I just lift up this day to you. I ask that you would be the one that we focus on, that you would be glorified by our actions, and that we would love you with our whole being, our whole soul and spirit, so we can love our neighbors as ourselves. Father, may we live for you today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, just quick housekeeping. Uh, I'm heading out for work just for one night, but I'll be leaving on Tuesday, tomorrow, and uh, I won't be back until Thursday. So have a great week, a great couple of days, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and his journey back to God.